Welcome to the Help My Unbelief podcast, the number one Christian podcast designed for the unbeliever. What's up, Larry? I am super stoked for today. He normally we start the show like I, we'll do that where we do the pause and I'll I'll go I'll go. What's up, dude? And he's but today he was sitting there watching me. He's like, I'm not gonna oh. let him get me today. He, he does that, and I'm over here doing this kind of stuff or getting final preps ready, and then all of a sudden he goes, "Hey, dude!" You know. <laughs> so we can. Well, we I have prepared. We have Pastor Gary in studio again today. Yes. I'm so excited to have you back. We wish we could have you every week, but like I tell Larry, it's like we can't always expect Dad to bail us out whenever we're. <laughs> I love that. How you been, man? I'm great. Love yeah. being with y'all. I'm very proud of y'all. Thank you. I man. think I've listened to every episode, and I love what, how you represent both yourselves and how you're representing the Lord, representing the kingdom of God. Thank you, Pastor yeah. Gary. That means Appreciate the world it very much, especially coming from that, you. That, that means, means a lot. A lot. Us, yeah, yeah, definitely means a lot. Yeah. Plus, I've had the opportunity to uh, hang out with you in El Reno because now we have El Reno um, Discovery El Reno, and Darcy and my wife and I have have had the pleasure of being under your tutelage. Mm. And we also had the opportunity to learn from your wife as well through Sunday school. So yeah. Paul is a smart one. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I tell you what, man, she can come up with some stuff on that. Yeah, she's good. She is good. Comment. She helps a lot. What's that? Uh, Pastor Gary, Sir. you're going to need to move that mic kind of in the middle of you, Maybe. unfortunately. Oh, you're fine. One, two, three. How's like that? that? Okay. Just, just your mouth closer to the mic. Okay. Yeah. How's there that? You go. Yeah, yeah, you got to kind of lean in and speak into it. Okay. Bit. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I, they're fine, but trim up just a little bit more. My headphones, just my headphones. Not and you're also mic. in the middle seat, meaning that you're going to do this when you're talking to me and that when you're talking to him. And just, just, yeah. You just want to kind of stay centered around the mic when you're doing it like okay. this. Like, well, if you're, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fine. Make, make the mic your friend. Act like I'm preaching. There you go. There I you wouldn't, go. I wouldn't look at Larry when I was talking. That'd be scary. <laughs> it does. Larry, you catch a lot of flack on here, don't you? I know. Oh, enough. <laughs> But that's all right. Did you not hear him a couple of weeks ago? He did. I still think about that. How he did my voice. Oh, <laughs> he made my voice like this, and I was like, uh, I was funny. I was editing it. and I was watching that back again, and I got insecure. And I talked about. It. I was like, man, you made me feel insecure when you did that. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited in in more ways than just having Gary here. I had the opportunity to go buy a new Bible. I saw it. I wasn't. I know, man. It. It's like the hardest part is that I had you know the cheat little finger tabs so i could find things uh but this is a um brand new men's bible actually is niv niv uh, nlt nice i have uh, now i have a new king james well i have a king james then i have a new king james and a niv and now i got the um Living translation. What'd you do with your old one? I can't ever, I can't ever. It's falling get, apart. It's at the house. I can't ever even, I have ones that are falling apart. I can't ever bring myself to throw away. I have Bibles that are 20 years old. Yeah, I do too. I yeah. don't throw them away. Like, even if I don't use them anymore, I just kind of stick them in a drawer somewhere. It's yeah. like, when, uh, I don't know why. On my table. They're, they're the ones I'm still going to grab because I got stuff marked and everything until I get used to this one. Yeah. But this one has, uh, I mean, it's called Every Man's Bible. And see, it's got large print. Yeah, you. They need had that. one that was so giant that I could have held it out here like this and saw yeah. it without my glasses. Maybe you won't need your PP glasses anymore. Well, the bad thing was that it was, it was this thick. 
Yeah. <laughs> to be able to yeah. get that bigger print. But I got a question for Pastor Gary. I'm kind of scared to ask this, but I'm going to ask it. Oh, that anyway. terrifies okay. me when you do that. So I'm going to I'm gonna just go over this for the audience again. I know you've probably heard me talk about this, but I'm going to explain it again just for the audience members. We had a comment on this, but like, so for the last several months, God's been asking me, well, at least I think it's God. That's going to be the question that's been asking me to go knock doors. And I don't know why, and I've been upset about it, and I've just been pretty much refusing to do it, um, just being honest with you, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just being honest. That's why I'm scared to tell him because he's going he's gonna to be like, don't chew me out, but that's not Pastor Gary anyway. But um, So I feel like God's been telling me to go knock doors, but it's gotten to the point where it's like, I don't know if this is God or not, because there's been a few times where God has told me to do something before, and it was clear. It was just clear as a bell. I knew it was God right away. And I just knew I needed to do whatever needed to be done, you know. And then there's other times where, you know, you're driving down the road and God tells you to turn around and go help somebody. And it's not as loud and you're not as sure. I don't know if every Christian deals with stuff like that. There's kind of, like for me, at least there's some times where God's told me to do something and it's been clear. And then there's other times where you hear stuff where you're like, uh, and you start kind of jostling with it a little bit. Well, this knocking doors thing has gotten out of control, even since we've been talking about it here on the show now. I'll pray God I'll pray for God to deliver me from something. I'll pray for God to do this, do that, anything else. And every time I pray, that's all I hear is knock doors. Every time that's all I hear him saying is knock doors. Knock doors. That's it. And if I get down on my knees to pray, that's what I hear instantly now. Like I don't hear nothing unless I hear from that. And it's almost like borderline obsessive. That's why I'm like God's not like obsessive and stuff like that. Or is it me like with some sort of like, it, do I have some sort of conscious like um, issue coming up that I think I need to do something. So I'm injecting my own personal walk or is it Satan? That's kind of like interfering with my walk with God. Cause that's my concern is like, am I so hung up on this that Satan's like interfering with me being able to pray? Cause I can't pray or do anything anymore you know, with it. And it's been bothering me. We've been talking about it the last couple of weeks. And I just want your thoughts on that. If you've ever experienced anything like that before, where God's told you to do something, you've probably been fairly obedient in your walk because you've never backslid and stuff like that. And to be honest, I don't know why, I don't know why I'm disobeying. I have no clue why, like I'm just so resilient against it. A part of me. Resistant. Like, yeah. Um, a oh, part of me resilient in his resistance. Yeah, <laughs> he is resilient in I've, that resistance. I've yes. told Mark before that I know I'm a newer Christian, but I've been a Christian long enough to know that this, if this is God telling me to do this, I know how this turns out. Like yeah. God gets his way. And a few things that honestly would concern me is by what, the way you're presenting it. Uh-huh. One is that you're saying it is God talking to you mm-hmm. and that you evidently know beyond a shadow of doubt is God talking to you. It's God. Yeah. Yeah, and of course uh, I'm naive in, in that I really don't know what doc- knocking doors means. Does that mean uh, witnessing or so selling or no? Yeah, well, let me explain. And I even told my wife the other day because Mark came to me last week and said that well, well, maybe it's God's talking about it like knocking knocking on people's doors of hearts and continue doing what you're doing. And every bit of me wants to grasp onto that and believe, but. I know it's God telling me to do it. I know it is. Knock doors to do what? Okay, so I we, we own a roofing company. You know yes. that. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest ways that we get business is by going out and knocking doors. Knocking doors. To yeah. get it. Yeah. Cold calls. So, okay. Yeah. Cold calls. Nobody likes to do cold yeah. calls. Yeah. And so 
Um, it's something that I've done in the past to do it, and everybody hates to do it. I absolutely hate to do it. I don't want to say that I don't, mm-hmm. but my reasoning is with God, I'm like, I'm, I'm a business owner now. I run, I run the ministry. I edit. I do all this stuff. I'm too busy to do it, you know, and all that other stuff. And so, and I know there's a reason behind the, why he wants me to do, but I don't know why I'm so like, I just don't want to do it. Why you're so resistant to it. Like I told God, I've told God before. I'm like, I'm like, you could send me somewhere to, to like, go do something dangerous and I would do it for you. You know, like I'll do something dangerous. Like if there was someone in Walmart with like a gun or something and you told me to go stop them, I, I would do it unarmed. Like, but for whatever reason, this is just, I do not want to do it. I'm of, sorry. I was making re- faces because I want, I, we really need violin music. I'm really, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of maybe the inner dialogue, uh, uh, Noah was, I mean, not no Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. Jonah was having. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's oh, what I. Could you yeah. imagine if Zach was Jonah in the belly? Well, if I were Zach, well, I'd you be know, really my son's nervous. Name, right? I'd, yeah, my son's name's Jonah. I'd be really nervous if I lived by the ocean right about now. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and of course, my concern is is that you say you know beyond a shadow that it's God. If you know it's God's voice, God telling well, you. That's no. why I didn't want to tell you that because I knew you'd pick up on that. I just yeah. want tell me. I just want someone to tell me that it's okay and not to. No, not to do it. you're not going to get. No matter how many of us you yeah. ask, you're not going to get any of us to say, "Yeah, that's okay." Not to listen to God. I know. And a guy commented on the video last week, and he was like, "He was like, it's an it was an atheist comment." Oh. And he's like, "I just don't understand why you're talking about this." He was like. Abraham would have sacrificed his son for God, and you won't even go knock a couple. Okay, wait, 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 wait. And wait I'm a like, second. I wanted to hear. I want Gary to finish his thought. Okay, yeah, because my my challenge, of course, is that if you know beyond a shadow of doubt it's God's talking to you, and you know it's God's will, God's plan, then in being obedient to Him, of course, find out a way to do it. Um, if you're talking about time, you know, God knows how much time you've got. God knows I could that find all that, of us yeah. have 24-7, and, and if it's God telling me to do it, then God's going to give me time to do it. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm busier and I'm not able to accomplish everything I think God's telling me to do in a day, then I'm busier than what God wants me to be because God knows. And yeah. so the reality is, is, am I putting more pressure on myself to do something or accomplish something that God really didn't want me to accomplish? And yeah. in, in ministry, I've found that over and over. And so what I have to do is, with my time, be able to definitely know that it's God's voice. God's telling me. And if he's telling me, then I need to do it. It's my, it's my responsibility to obey. I know why he wants me to do it, too. Well, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I do. But if, why are you I asking do. me? You know, <laughs> you, you know really. I, well, the reason why I ask you is because I feel like we have to bounce off because we all like, not only does Satan lie to you, but you lie to yourself a lot too. Like, because you, you want that, you don't want things to be a certain way. Now we read about the story of Abraham and Isaac, but what happened from the time that Abraham took his son up to the mountain? What happened in between them? We don't know. Like he probably had an internal battle. He, he probably, God was like, here, go sacrifice your son Isaac to me. He probably wasn't like, okay, come on, Isaac. Yeah. Probably wasn't like that. He and probably it's constant. Had, yeah, it is. It is. It's and probably an internal battle, there right? Is. Oh yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. But the thing is, is you know what the ultimate end is. Yeah. Okay. And it's from here to there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my ultimate end is I'm gonna obey God. I'm yeah. Do what God wants me to do. Yeah. And like in ministry, we we were, I was a youth pastor in Sand Springs, and 
I felt God leading us to go into pastoral ministry. And um, I was at a place where I really didn't want to be out of God's will. But I was a fireman, and on my days off from Tulsa Fire Department, I was a youth pastor. And um, I could retire after 20 years. Mm-hmm. And my goal was is to stay on the fire department for 20 years and draw half pay and then yeah. go full-time in ministry. And God had another plan. And that was as I blew a disc and had to be retired off the fire department. And at the place I was prior to my injury was, is, do I quit my job? Do I quit being a fireman? Do I make the, and I know God wants me to go there. There's the ultimate end, which is to be a pastor. Cause I, I believe beyond shadow of doubt, he was calling me. And I was 38 years old. And that was the, the goal God wanted me to be at and how to get me from here to there. And he used an in injury on the fire yeah. department, blew a disc, had to have back surgery, had to retire from the fire department after 17 years. And I thought at first, I looked at that and I go, wow, you know, I, I would have rather had the other plan. Because my plan was 20 years, half pay, get a small church. It can't pay mm-hmm. me a lot. And I have fire department pension. He needed you there sooner, though. He, he got you sooner because He had of a that, different right? plan. Yeah. And then his plan was then I took a church of 60 and in in 17 years it went to 603 building projects and, and it got really blessed. Yeah. So the ultimate end from this perspective I can tell you I know beyond a shadow doubt it was God's will. But back there as a youth pastor uh, laying in a hospital bed um, getting ready to lose my job as a fireman and not having a pastor position and uh all of that going on where i'm where's god yeah okay so the point is is you You don't see it until you're through it Mm -mm. sometimes but now at this perspective i can look back and go oh that's what you were doing yeah yeah and and And, you know and and even the greater thing is is um a pension a it's a um, a disability pension disability pension is not taxable and so now I'm making more than if I would have stayed 20 years. Wow. And so my ultimate, my point is I can, f- this per- this point, look back and see God's plan was better than my plan. Yeah. Okay, God really took care of me and he had yeah. a plan. And that's where you're at. Are you curious to know why why God, God wants me to knock doors? Sure. Okay. And it, a light bulb went off a couple weeks ago why he wanted me to and it was a, a, a class that you were teaching on rejection. And um, I don't know why or where this came from. I'm sure it has something to do with my parents of some sort. But, like, I've always felt like I was, a, like, a, a loser, that I don't fit in, like, anywhere. I don't fit in anywhere. I, I feel that way. I feel that way walking around most of the time today. Like, I don't believe I deserve the company I'm in. I don't believe I deserve what I'm doing here. Like I just walk around thinking I'm lesser than most people. So you can imagine when things start to go wrong, like normal things that people go through, um, that really affects me to the point where sometimes like, I don't even want to be here sometimes. Like it just really affects me. And I recognize that as being like super unhealthy. Like this isn't right. I don't live my life like a normal person. Um, like I don't think like a normal person does like, and I know that, and there's a, a root cause of that. And I've never really looked into it, but it's rejection. That's what it is. It's like, I want everything to go right and everybody to respond to everything I do properly. And when it doesn't, it feels like my whole world's falling apart and I'm being rejected from certain things. And the number one thing 
that you have to get around when you're knocking doors is a rejection. Mm-hmm. And I know it would develop some sort of callous over that, or I'd learn how to deal with it. I th- I, I'm almost certain that's why God wants me to do mm-hmm. that. Well, let to, me, let me t- face that. Let me tell you, I can speak from my own experience, any kind of weakness or character failings that I've had. God opens that wound and rubs some salt into it. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way of putting it. I, I don't want to say I, we're we're with a God who disciplines his children because he loves them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he doesn't want you weak either. He, no. he doesn't want you having character flaws. No, no. I mean, but if he, if you can be distracted because of it, he, he wants you to get through that and understand that all you have to do is depend on him. Go back, go back to physical fitness. And that is, I used to manage health clubs a hundred years ago and in Physical fitness resistance builds muscle. Okay? Mm-hmm. Same thing in Christianity. Resistance builds spiritual muscle. And in, anytime you overcome and, and you push through, God's building strength and building character. Yeah. One, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is to make us feel like we're a special case. I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with this, and I'm the only one that's felt like this. And that's a lie. Yeah, because if he can get you to feel like you're a special case, then he can make you feel like you don't have enough faith to deal with it because your spa- your case is so special, and then since it is that special case, then God must not be used to dealing with this. And if God can't help you, then you might as well not pray and might as well not seek God because you're such a special case. Yeah, and boy, he's, he's so good at that. And the reality is you're not a special case. I yeah. can tell you, Larry deals with rejection. I deal with rejection. And every time I get up behind a pulpit to preach a message, I'm just wondering how many people here are going to like you know, it or, yeah, 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 disregard me completely, fall asleep in my, you know, and even um, I think at El Reno, we even had a little bit of uh, people speaking out while I was. That's, it would preaching. break me if I got up and did what you did and 30%, because I know you've probably dealt with that over the last 40 oh, yeah. years where. Like you, you, you're, you're building a congregation and you're so excited and happy about how it's going. And the next thing you know, you preach a message and probably what if, if even if just five people came up to you and be like, man, that message you preached last Sunday, I just didn't receive it. That's all of us. Yeah. But one of the biggest detriments of the church is is Christians, you know? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and I've had people that have come up to me and they said, well, you're messing up our little church. You got all these new people coming in and all these people getting saved. And literally they say, I don't like this and you're messing up our little church. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is yeah, we want to mess up this little church. We don't, we, we want to be better. All those unfortunate recovering drug addicts are coming into our church. What are you doing? Yeah. It's like the Jesus revolution, right? When, when the hippies came in, they were like, yeah, Yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that was honestly the church that I pastored in Kuita. We had a a couple of pole dancers Mm -hmm. uh, who were at a bar up the street. They passed by the church over and over, came in one Sunday, accepted Jesus. And really, really meant it. And they were really devoted to Christ and um, sat on the front pew. And first few times they came, about the first all three or four weeks, month, um, they had their same clothes on. They wore pole dancing the night before. Mm-hmm. And they sat right next to my wife, Paula. <laughs> and, and, and Paula sat right there in the middle, all three of these girls who were, you know, uh, of course I'm preaching and see them right there on the front pew. And would try to, you know, keep my eyes above right. everybody, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, man, they were there. And uh, 
a heartbreaker. It's that not all Christians welcome. Yeah. And the heartbreaker is is that uh, there's Christians who think we all got to look alike, talk alike, have the same background, you know, have the same values. Even yeah. you know now. Again, we've got to give the Holy Spirit time to reveal to people. Yeah. Now, was there, you know, there was a time when the girls started changing how they dressed, and yeah, you know, and, but nobody, I didn't tell them, and Paula didn't tell them, you know, and I, I would like to tell you that everybody in the church, nobody told them, but the main thing is the Holy Spirit would tell them, yeah. okay, this is what's proper, and this is a change, and and the Holy Spirit will take care of it. But the sad reality exactly. is, is that there's a lot of Christians that are the biggest detriment to the church. You they, know, they take it upon themselves to cast judgment upon them. I mean, like, and it's amazing because Pastor Didi was literally talking about this in Ambassadors, and it was she was just kind of giving her testimony of when she first came to the Lord, and that was one of the things is she didn't know how to act in certain ways because she wasn't even raised in the church. I was raised in a church so there you know i i knew what not to do and what you know certain things you just don't do right but darcia hadn't hung out in a church she didn't know and i didn't uh fortunately in my case this church is a loving church and they loved her in a manner that helped promote change without the judgmental of the um uh, no, I want to use all the words that I did in the seventies. And you don't sin the <laughs> yeah, way I, don't I say. Them. Don't say debauchery. You don't <laughs> sin the way I sin. You know, one thing you said though that that I see happening in the church today is that, like you were saying, Darcy didn't know how to act in church. Didn't know the churchiology or. Right. Um, I see our. I see today the church coming to the place that we're getting rid of the tradition, the ritual of yesterday good you know, in our church i believe is a very good example of that and that's the church i want to be a part of i don't want to be a part of a church that's hung up in the tradition the religion of what used to be man's tradition mm-hmm. I, I remember you had to wear a suit and tie i had a, oh yeah i had a pastor that told me you know if, if i'm gonna be on staff with him i've got to wear a suit and tie every service sunday morning sunday night wednesday night I'm sitting on the platform. I can't cross my legs, and yeah. if I bring a Bible to the pulpit, it's always got to be King James version. Bible. Uh, and and, and over truth, and over. In truth, you should be so focused on worshiping God that you don't even recognize the person next to you. And see, I love like Darcy. I love the people that are coming into the church that have none of that religion, none yeah. of that yeah, garbage. They're, they're not carrying a lot of additional baggage that I came into the church had, with, with the rules and regulations that I grew up with. Right. There's a and trend. She came in not understanding yeah. it, therefore she was more free to learn. And I had to literally, and I hate this word, but I had to unlearn so that I could learn. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it made a lot of difference. But the the main thing there is that they loved her where she was. Now yeah. God took away the alcohol. God took away the cigarettes. God took away and, and you know, she started dressing more appropriately for church. God did that i didn't do that yeah and people loving her where she was made it a comfortable experience for her 
Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that the church used to have really wrong. And yeah. I think that, that um, there are still some of them out there where a lot of them, yeah. you know, I grew up where if, if a guy came in, you know, in the sixties, if a guy came in in, in a sandals and frayed jeans and a t-shirt, uh, the ushers would have helped him out. They would have kicked him out for real. Yep. Yep. But you mentioned the Jesus movement. And, <laughs> and that's and, exactly what they were. And the Jesus movement, I believe, is the culture of today. I believe today the young people, the I, I would say 18 to 24, 25, they're looking for the truth. I believe there's a hunger for truth today. And they don't want the religion. They don't want the all the tradition. They don't want the ritual and all that rut. They want Jesus. Yeah. And then they, they want, want the truth. The truth, yeah. What yeah. is the truth? That's exactly like I love that because um there's this there's this big um movement going on right now on social media with our friends that um that we particularly minister to unbelievers, right? And, you know, with all the worldwide events going on and stuff like that, here recently there's been an uptick in talk about the rapture coming, mm-hmm. which is good. That you know, it's in line with. I guess we haven't introduced our guest yet today, but we're we're having a guy that doesn't believe the rapture is going to happen. But this doesn't have anything to do with that in particular. But we we do believe the rapture is going to happen, and a lot of us believe that the rapture is preeminent, especially with worldwide events and stuff. Well, our friends that we um, our unbeliever friends, there's a trend going around right now. Um, they're posting videos saying that hey. I sure do hope that rapture comes quick because I don't want to be here with you anymore. And that's a trend that's going on. And that in itself, a lot of us like, and then what I see Christians doing is they puffing out their chest and they start responding to it like, like, well, yeah, well, good, because we're going to be there and you're just going to burn in hell. Have fun in hell, buddy. And I'm like, Where do you think that the that's the appropriate response? I'm you don't think that you're going to have to answer for the fact that these people. I do believe that most people want to have a creator that loves them. They want that to be true. They want that to be true. For most of the people that we interview, it's Mm -hmm. not like they don't. They just don't want to be like you. They don't want to have anything to do with you. And that's a problem. And I think, I don't think that every time someone says something bad about you, you have to look inwards and say, what's wrong with me? But I think enough of them are talking that we do. We do need to look in and go, maybe there is something wrong that we're doing. Maybe we're not handling ourselves in a way that people would want to come to Christ by the way you're living, not by anything that's coming out of your mouth. Cause you think you're so smart and you think you're talking and you think you're leading people to Christ with your super um, awesome man intelligence, but in reality, you're pushing people away. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be, they, they don't want to be in heaven with you. It's not that they don't want to be in heaven with Christ. They don't want to be in heaven with you. Well, and that's a problem. I believe even Gandhi said the problem with, with uh, the churches or the Christians. I mean, you know, yeah. we run a lot of people. Well, off we are. That, that's the another thing that unbelievers have to realize is that we are broken people. But that's the thing: the church is full of broken people. Even after you get saved and all this awesome stuff happens, we're still a broken individual that we need Christ to repair us. You know, but the problem is, is whenever you're pretending like you're not broken, that's the problem. You're pretending you're something you're not. And I believe, like you said, well, ago, it's dealing with the insecurity. 
Mm-hmm. I believe there's a lot of Christians dealing with spiritual insecurity. Mm-hmm. They don't. They really don't have a strong confidence in their personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And with that insecurity, then comes a bravado yeah. to be able to protect themselves. And then they come across like you're saying. Yeah. And I believe that's the purpose for this podcast is for us Christians to be able to show unbelievers that you can be a Christian and still be somebody that you can like, you yeah. know, build a relationship with. Exactly. And and I don't believe that we have to have a, a, a canyon between us and the unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got unbelievers. I, mean, I, I hit the gym. In fact, I hit the gym all ago, and, and, and I've rubbed shoulders with unbelievers. Some of my f- best friends are not Christians, and, and I want to have friends who are not Christians. Yeah. And I want them. I love walking in the gym and guys waving at me and, you know, hey, yeah. you know, and being a person that people can approach. Mm-hmm. And that's what I believe that we Christians need to be is somebody that others want to approach. I uh, had a guy at the gym the other day and said, hey, I'm having a marital problem. You know, could you uh, give me any advice? And, and of course, in between sets, if it's, it's no time to give marital advice, but I just said, hey, if you'd like to come visit with me, I'll set an appointment. You and your wife can come. To-. And they came for three one-hour sessions, and we saw God restore their marriage. Wow. And But it began in a gym with a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I gave them biblical principles for marriage. And, and so my point is, is friendship evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe friendship evangelism is what Christ did. By how you live I your agree. life, how you live your life. Like I, I, one of my best friends, Stephen, he listens to this show all the time. He's he's been an atheist since I've known him. I think it's going on like eight years now. You know, um, we don't talk about God and stuff all the time. You know, it's not what we do. Jesus, like, Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. Yeah, you know, and but Stephen's it. got a Bible at his house now that he's reading. Great. Yeah, he came to our church, and even though like. Like I had to contain my excitement, you know, whenever he came mm-hmm. to me, he told me like, cause I, I knew that wasn't the appropriate way to respond to it was to cry and jump out of my car while I was moving and stuff. You know, when he called <laughs> me and he, yeah. he told me that, um, he was like, Hey, um, I'm thinking maybe, I'm thinking maybe that, um, you know, my whole life that I've been searching for happiness and I can't find it. Then I th- it might be, um, what Mark said was true about maybe there is a God sized hole and everybody and i'm mm-hmm. thinking about looking into it, you know and that's why i i realized with him with him i realized that we are ministering to the most difficult group of individuals on the planet because even if they even have an inkling of like maybe this is maybe uh, this is something i need to look into there's a whole lot of hurdles they got to go back through to come back and see what we're seeing today different from of course you talk about your age and i'm older than you are and from, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, you don't look like it. There you go. Oh, wow. But that was, that was mean. There you you made go. fun of my That's voice. Okay. I don't care. I don't care. But it used to be that, and, and honestly, when I, I, I preached in Africa and in Mexico and some of the other countries, and when you preach in a foreign country, the simplicity of the gospel touches somebody's heart, and the response is immediate. I mean, it's 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 not strange in a foreign country, uh, especially in a if I don't want to sound ugly, but a not so educated culture, that you give a, a simple explanation of the gospel, give them an opportunity to accept Christ. You have 100, 150 people accept Christ. What and the, and it used to be back years ago 
that you'd preach a message and people would hear it and um, they would evaluate it and then they'd accept Christ. You know, today it's more like you're saying it's more of a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very difficult in America to reach the lost. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, one of the reasons is they've got so much uh, preconceived ideas. They've got so many, so much baggage. They are so well educated and, um, it is just so hard. Uh, I've, I've led one Muslim to Christ, and in leading her to Christ, it took a long time, a process. And I'm seeing that same thing in the church. Yeah, and it's not a just, process. Not yeah. Muslims, but everyone. Like when I was I, younger, I, I remember that where people would just respond to the front, and a bunch of people get saved, and we talk about how many, many people got saved, like, and it's just it's I, not I, that way. I, yeah, a lot of our audience is disenfranchised children of Christians and, and religion, children of religion. And they are highly, um, their, their detector is turned up very, very high, super vigilant to hypocrisy, super vigilant because that's what drove them away in the first place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, that's what's on us is to just be genuine and real. And I, I don't want to say this, but this is, that's and kind love. of my point. That's kind mm-hmm. of my point of watching, watching what you say, like watching the type of words you say, because you could say, cause I know our audience, we could say the wrong word. And it reminds you of their uncle Bill that would talk all these debauchery words and stuff in church. And then he would pretend like he was serving God. And then he'd go home and they'd watch him beat his wife. Right. So you that's know what why, I mean? like, why, you know, your, your policy of, of avoiding religious terminology. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't, sense. I don't want them to associate us. Because that's the end of the day. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. This is no secret. We are here to preach the gospel. That's what we're doing, and so it's not a secret. But I don't want you to associate us and what we're talking about with your uncle Bill that you watched beat your beat your aunt and, um, you know, but served God on Sundays and said all these words that everybody thought was pretty. You know, I, I want people to associate us with the. The, the truth, if that makes sense. Like, I don't... The truth is the primary. Yeah. I want the, to get away from that. The problem, though, is, again, that people are judging God based upon what man's done. Right. Man is disappointed. Man has hurt. Man has done whatever he's done. It says in the Bible that they, people would do, do that, though, right? That's why we have to live our life so appropriately by God, because that's how people come to Christ, right? Is by it, how we live. Correct. Yeah. And the, the reality is, is Christ in us, living through us, and literally we touch with the touch of Jesus Christ, we speak with the words of the wisdom of Christ, and we share the purpose and the cause and the motive and ultimate goal of Jesus Christ. That's, that's our heart's passion. That's what we yeah. want to do. Yeah. But the problem is, is that we're still flesh and blood. And, and the challenge, it, man, it'd be great if an angel came back and did this. You know, he'd have a whole lot greater results than us, you know. Yeah. You yeah. know, he had these wings and, you know, about eight foot tall, you know. He'd give an altar call and everybody'd come. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that we're flesh and blood and they look at us and we remind them of Uncle Harry or whatever, or that pastor that whatever. Why well, I heard that story a couple of weeks ago, that young lady that Terrible, was abused man. in church. I almost break down every time I hear something yeah. like that. And, and, it, and honestly, it makes me want to apologize as a pastor yeah. for the people that have been hurt by pastor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Me too. It just like it, 
I don't know. I, I used to, I, I've had to investigate a couple of those crimes and it's, it's just a very, um, it's a very soft spot for me that people that would do that to someone and my wife too, like she's such a sweet woman. Why would you ever want to hurt her? You know? Mm-hmm. And like, it just makes me want to, just makes me want to like, why would anybody do that? But, um, especially like people, when, when you're in a, like a trustworthy position, like a pastor or something like, of course they don't believe anymore. Of course they don't, man. Mm-hmm. Like, duh, no mm-hmm. kidding. Like there's a guest on here that we are not ready for that I've spoken to that um, she has a terrible backstory of pastor and her dad and everything else. And, and I won't talk about it on here. We will have her on her, but we're not ready for it, man. We man. have spoken to many, many, many that left the church because the church hurt. Yeah. And some of the stuff that, like I said, you know, I grew up in the church, but I didn't see what I've heard from a lot of people since we started this. And, you know, you kind of hear a story once or twice, you know, growing up or whatever, you know, but the stuff that I've heard on here I'm ashamed. It yeah. changes. And I didn't have anything to do with it, and I'm still ashamed. It's changed your outlook a little bit. We'll t- we'll talk about that on episode 52, but I've seen you change as a person on here as well. Like I've seen you change. We'll talk about that more on episode 52, but yeah, how could you? How could you go? My in? beard's the same. Yeah, my yeah. hair's the same. Not really, but I don't have as much gray. I'm excited for you to get thick again in the winter, bud. You're not the same. Man. That is not nice, Zach. That's not nice. And here I was going to say, you know, I did want to bring up real quick. Thank you. You're going to compliment me? Yes. You can't compliment me right after I make fun of you. Zach and Angela went to Colorado for a little quick trip vacation kind of thing and to get away from everything. Larry and I didn't call them. New... I didn't call them at all, but apparently they still thought of me. You got a new visor. Yeah. They thought of me enough to get me a new visor. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm That's... sporting a new visor today and I get excited about new visors. It's a nice one. It you know, is it a nice funny. one. It was funny when I came in, um, he looked at me and said, yeah, I went on vacation and for you, I got a boot to the head. <laughs> well see like people like me and mark were, were hard to shop for i don't know your interests and I stuff i would not expect a gift from but here here's <laughs> like larry's easy because he wears like wristbands and rings and watches it like he's right. got his own thing i wear the same rings and i make the if bracelets. i found a pair of pp glasses i'm obviously gonna get some <laughs> oh i was looking for a new set this week <laughs> i mean and when you, i get my new glasses i'll have bifocals put you're in on because vacation, I've, I've had you enough walk of it. past the deal of visors i mean you got to yeah stop and get yeah one. you have to like like that's like he's actually into something. He's so easy right. to shop for because you know what he's into. Like a person like me, they're like Zach. What's your hobbies? And I'm like, I don't know. Working. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Somebody at church asked me, you know, what my hobby was, and I. You're like, it makes you feel like a loser, huh? When someone's like, "What's your hobbies?" And you're I like, "I don't like, have a hobby. I work." You just make one up. I work. <laughs> you just make one up. I swim. Collect on the weekends. Visors. No, but I mean, <laughs> I collect them. Yeah. You stop. Got four hundred <laughs> visors. <laughs> I want to uh, see. No, you. but I'm close. Okay, um, we got to get to our guests. I know, but I mean, there's there's so much stuff that I do. I mean, I, I first off, when I had my back issue, I know God told me to sell my motorcycle, and I I just accepted the fact that that's not going to come back into my life. Yeah, and it was a distraction, even though that I rode with a bunch of Christians. Uh, and once I came to church, um, I quit going to the bars, quit doing the poker runs, quit. Uh, living that lifestyle at all was it hard for you to sell your motorcycles or did you do it instantly was it a hard decision i obeyed for you? instantly I, i'm in um i was you were in i that, was yeah. and i still am in 
an obedience whatever position yeah it made sense to me as well. I mean, he pointed out you got two and a half years of payments on it, and you're not going to ride. Yeah. Why are you going to pay for something you're not going to ride? Uh, that was in November, and the Jeep was being paid off. I didn't know how long this was going to last. But to to watch this guy who's had more – I've only had one Fusion. He's had several. Three. And, and he's he's out on the lake, yeah. you know, on, on his, on his uh, jet ski, mm-hmm. tearing it up. And then he's out riding around in his razor and tearing it up. And he's doing things that I would love to do, but I haven't uh, quite still, got there. You but, still do pretty good. Well, I do the um, – sometimes my mowing is about as yeah. strenuous as, as <laughs> some of the stuff that he does. Well, I know I, I know I make fun of you a lot, but my mom is, is the same age as you. And I, I go up and visit her. Like, it doesn't – like, she's – you're in way better shape than she is, man. Like, she probably – you know – Whatever, I don't want to say that, but um, you, you well, round is a shape. You're, you do understand you're in a that way right. better. Well, but like you get around, like she needs help to get in vehicles and wow. everything else. So like, yeah, so you do you do a lot better. Like I, I know I give you. There are people that have not fared as well as I have. Yeah, right? and yeah. to be honest with you, one of the best things that I could give my mom or my grandpa thanks for is my hair. Yeah. A, I have it. Yeah. B, this is not colored. This is my natural color. I'm growing my hair out so it'll so, cover my. Yeah, bald and you've spot. already you've already <laughs> showed more gray than I have. No, I haven't. I don't have oh, gray hair. Dude, Do I have man. gray hair? Yeah, that's why you keep the sides shaved so that the Do gray doesn't gray show hair? up. Yeah, it's even in your beard. No, I don't. See. Yes, you do. Okay, let's get to see, our. See, I know how to get it. <laughs> don't listen to him. Hold on. Before, You'll be standing in front of the mirror. Before later we get to our going. guest, I just want to close off on this conversation. You did say I don't have to knock doors, right? Yeah, everyone heard him. Okay, it's fine. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. Hey, All right. You'll be knocking doors. That's what I thought I heard. You'll be uh, knocking doors. I'm going to knock doors. It's going to be fine. I Because at the end of the day, I, I want to do what God wants me to do. And it's still I'm still very curious because I know that's my heart. That's why I'm still like very um, wondering, like why I'm being so resistant against it. Well, the longer the, things- the longer you're resistant, the worse it's going to get. I know. I that's agree. what I'm saying. Like God's going to get what He wants out of me eventually. Well, and you I did know bring that. up a point to this time that. that you have not brought up in the past, and that is that you have an issue with rejection, yeah. and you cannot be in sales, no. and and not be able to handle well, rejection I think that's because exactly it comes what at God's you, trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm saying I, I, it clicked whenever you had that, you had that, um, rejection. Um, it's probably been a month now, but mm-hmm. it kind of clicked as I've always kind of knew I had a, an issue with rejection because it, of sales, but he, he said that a month ago and you still are hanging yeah. on to it, dude. D- don't take notes, brother. Good. Grief. <laughs> don't take notes yet. All goes here. It's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Okay, um, let's get to our guest. His name is Philip. Um, Philip is a Christian, um, but he does not believe in the rapture. He believes that the rapture is unbiblical and something that was created in the 1800s or something like that. So um, as you guys know, this is a uh, this is what we do in our show. We interview people that don't believe in the same thing as us. And so um, I'm interested to see where he came up with that and what we can do from here. So, so are we avoiding a seething cauldron of debate here, or are we actually yeah. going to get into one? No, we're not going to debate. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I, guess. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no, okay. I'm ready to throw my some angel, bombs. My <laughs> angels have got the wings. Yeah, I mean, got the, got the reins on. So let's say your angel's a little little late sometimes. Pulling the reins. <laughs> okay, send your angel over here. <laughs> you got your own. You just got to pay attention yes. to it. Hello? Is this Philip? Yes, sir. 
Hey, Philip, it's Zach with, from Help My Unbelief. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Not bad at all, man. Um, so have you ever watched the show before? I have seen snippets of it on uh, Facebook. That's how I came to uh, know about the stage. And so I've listened to here and there, but uh, that's, that's about the extent of it. Oh, okay. Good deal. Um, well, I'll, I'll explain. I'm going to explain what the show is. And then I'm going to go around the room and introduce everybody to you. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay, so this is the Help My Unbelieve podcast. Um, we are a podcast that we we typically interview people that don't believe um, in God, but we, we interview people that don't agree with us or that have different mindset. Our aim is to change the way that people um, view us, essentially. We, we want... We want to be able to show that we can have conversations, loving conversations, without having these big debates and um, if somebody getting mad and hurt and throwing things and hanging up and stuff like that. So that's that's what our goal for this conversation is, and I'm sure we could get that done today. I hear a little bit of a Southern accent, and so um, most people with a Southern accent, they're just sweet as can be, right? <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> yeah well we've interviewed a couple of southern people and they're just and they were atheists and they were super nice so um I, we are excited to have you on thank you for coming on um i'm gonna sure. go around the um Thanks. go around and inter, uh, introduce everybody to you so i have my executive producer mark in studio hey how's it going this is mark great my lovely wife angela hello and I got my beautiful co-host, Larry. Hey, Philip. Good to talk to you again. And we have the wonderful yes, Pastor Gary in studio today as well. Hi, Philip. This Gary. And nice then and then my name's Zach. Um, I'm the I'm the young and vibrant and handsome one. Um, I'm sure you can pick us out from... Pick. <laughs> that wasn't even sound effects. But yeah, he didn't use the soundboard on that one. Okay. So, um, Philip, it's, it's, so you're a Christian... Uh, that is correct. Okay. How long have you been a Christian for? Uh, I guess technically I've been a Christian since, uh, a true Christian since uh, 2018. Oh, nice. What do you mean What do you mean by true Christian? Well, uh, I grew up in church my whole life. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I guess for, I won't really say where I went per se, just to protect that. Um, I, me and my wife both grew up in the church uh, as kids, and uh, we, we grew up in uh, the best way I know how to say it is a very legalistic type of uh, congregation uh, where it was, you know, a lot of rules and, and regulations. And the best way I, I've been able to explain it to people in the past, it was like, you know, it, it, one minute you're doing everything right and you're going to heaven. The next minute uh, you're, you know, you're not doing things right. And, and it's like it felt like you were going to hell. Yeah. And so I, uh, in 2018, uh, keep the story short, um, it, it's like the Lord uh, told me, hey, you know, Jesus is enough. There's nothing that you can do. Um, there's n- nothing that I could do, you know, not, you know, read my Bible enough or whatever the case may be uh, to, to save myself. And, and I found the Lord that, that he was enough and his sacrifice was enough. So in 2018, I totally and fully committed to Christ. And I mean, I totally submitted to him at that point. Um, that's and, and ever since then, it's uh, it's definitely been it's been it's been a ride. Well, that's- out of, out of, sorry, out of curiosity, Philip. Um, what month in 2018? Uh, it was actually October of 2018. October. Cause I yep. fully submitted to the Lord in 2017, September. Yeah. It was actually after I had went on a, uh, uh, I'm a part of a, a faith riders group. It's a motorcycle ministry. Uh, and I was able to go to one of their events and, um, 
I was actually I was actually on my way to work one morning, and um, I mean the conviction of sin and everything just came over me, and I, I'm in tears. I'm on my way to work, and uh, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. So uh, it was uh, definitely a, an experience. To, awesome, to man. How old are you again, Philip? Uh, I'm 29. I'll be 30 in January. Okay. Okay, man. That's a good story. I, it's it's great when we come to that realization. And I guess I can identify with that because when you said I was a true Christian, and I kind of I kind of felt that way too. Was like I've always believed in God. I've always prayed. But are you like a true Christian unless you fully submitted to God? You know, which I I right. don't want to get into the definition of that sure. and stuff like that because sure, I don't sure, want to sure. make anybody listening to this feel like if they're not fully submitted that they're not a Christian. Cause I don't get, I don't get to decide that I'm not the one that gets to pick whether somebody uh, deserves that title or not. No, but there right. is a, there is a difference. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, yeah, we can't skirt around an issue that, that, that is true. Yo, yeah. Well, Jesus wanted, Jesus wanted people that will follow him. Like he, I, I, I use that Bible verse a lot where um, it was one that I, when I was reading the, the Bible by myself, I realized Jesus's like dedication to like, how, like it seemed like how much, like it was almost like fun to him. I picture him in this Bible verse where it says like, Hey, somebody came up, up and asked him, it's like, Hey Jesus, how do we get into heaven? And I picture Jesus like sitting back and he was bored. He was like, you want to get to heaven, follow the 10 commandments. And then I, I picture him on the next part, lean in forward and say, you want to be perfect? sell everything you got and follow me. Yeah. You know, that's where the he got young, interested. The rich you know? young, um, yeah. they say right young ruler, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Rich I picture it like yeah. he's bored with the, you know, follow the rules. You know, I like what Philip said, though, and that is is that he uh, realized that Jesus was enough. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't all the rules and regulations, not the holding your mouth right and doing <laughs> this right, that right, and pleasing man. Yeah. But just recognize that what he needed more than anything else was Jesus Christ, and Jesus is enough. Amen. That's cool, man. So, um, do, do you, do you care sharing what denomination you're in today? Um, well, uh, no, I don't mind at all. Um, I'm, you know, I'm former. I'm a former Church of Christ member. Okay. Um, grew up that my, my whole life, and um, now me and my wife, we um, we attend with our grandparents, and they go to a. Uh, and this is not a necessarily a, 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 a preemptive of what I actually believe. This is where we've been going. We've, we've landed at Church of the Highlands in, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We've been going with, our grand, well, with her grandparents for, for quite some time. Um, and that's, that's where we, we worship right now, uh, tentatively. Uh, you know, but God, uh, really, over the last six months, um, as a part of my testimony, has changed uh, a lot of things. Uh, you know, I always prayed. I said, Lord, if I was wrong, because, you know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a preacher, you know, and I wanted to be right by the book, you know, and I never, never in my life that I think that he would, uh, that my beliefs would, would change if that makes sense. And they didn't change in a way that where, uh, some in, in my family have accused that I have uh, taken the Bible to, uh, contort to my life. That's not the case. Um, so, uh, yeah, church, of the Highlands is where we go right now temporarily. What is that? Uh, I say that. What what is the Church uh, of the Highlands like? I I'm not a familiar with that. Uh, it's it's based out of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, you know, uh, is it non-denominational? Uh, yeah, they consider themselves non-denominational. Uh, that's what their their statement says. Um, so okay, you know, cool. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not. Uh, they I'm love just, Jesus, right? Sir, they love Jesus, right? 
Yeah, you know, and that's so that that was the biggest thing in, in turning away from what I did for, for, for years because, you know, as, as a former member of COC, it was, you know, if I, a part of me spreading the gospel was listening, you know, what church you would go to. And as soon as I heard anything other than what I was used to, it triggered in my brain this process where I have to pretty much deconstruct everything that I think that you're wrong at and rebuild you up. And that process for me was just so tiring because I wasn't getting any results. And it wasn't until years later where the Lord was like, well, it's because, you know, I was actually in the wrong. So the Lord uh, definitely changed, um, you know, he, he was able to really help clarify some things for me after I totally submitted to him. And I, I wasn't trying to do it my way, if that makes any sense. And I'm, I'm still that way today. I mean, I, I, I held on for a long time of, you know, speak for the Bible speaks and, and you know, be silent where it's silent. But I, I pray constantly that as I study and, and even I'm on this podcast that if, you know, I, if, you know, it's not right. I, I'll be glad to change uh, based on scripture, not based on the way that I feel. Uh, hopefully, that's a great way to be pliable. Well, I like it. I think that's perfect uh, to go into what what we came here to talk about. It's been great getting to know you, um, and I I love everything that you uh, said so far. It's um, it's it's great, man. It's great to hear that. Like I have a similar background. Um, so not not with Church of Christ, but Baptist, but. Same thing, salt and Himalayan yeah, salt. You, right? you grew up Baptist. I grew up Pentecostal. <laughs> SDA. Yeah, I, I think and, I got the Mark. Mark grew up. Yeah, I, Mark's Mark. There takes was a lot the of things coming on this one. <laughs> well, it's funny because I identify with what he was talking about. Oh, I know. I remember yeah. going through a revelation study and learning that my beliefs were that that the papacy was the beast and the mark of the beast was Sunday worship, and then at that point I had two choices. You know, then you combine that with do not, uh, do not, uh, what is it? You got to be of like minds. Don't, don't, um, anyway, basically don't associate with unbelievers, you know? So, and I used to think, my goodness, man, there's a very few people going to heaven. There's a whole lot of people going to hell and they love Jesus. I, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's, I have a question. Yeah, it, uh, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry. Seventh-day Adventists believe that. Sunday is the mark of the beast. Oh, is you haven't been said? listening. Sunday worship, yes. That that he that said the, it like twenty times. That the Roman Catholic Church is the beast, and that that the wound was healed, and that was something to do with the papacy and a pope, in in at some year. But that yeah, that they were going to pass a national Sunday law. They were going to force everybody to worship on Sunday. Only the true believers were the ones that had not gone against God's law which was the seventh day is a Sabbath being Saturday and that man changed it to Sunday. And that arrogance, that was the mark of the beast, that it was a religious political power that was going. And that's one of the things that alternately scared me to death. And then my brain started working. It's like, you know, and then I read Romans seven twenty four. You know, I read Romans for the first time when I went yeah. to church of Christ, I was like, Holy smoke. They're saying, that God fulfilled the law. That's not exact. Yeah. It doesn't jive here. Jesus says that I'm not here to change the, the law. There, I am the here way. There is a Bible verse in Romans that would completely smash down the, that seventh right. day. Do, do, do not let any man judge you according to a Sabbath. I mean, it says that. Sabbath he said that on the festival. podcast before. Mm. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to conscript your time here. No, Gary, yes, Gary, but do you I want to weigh in? Brother. <laughs> do you want to weigh in? I'm going with uh, Philip. 
<laughs> yeah. Wow, that's great. Really, um, I can relate with Philip that my wife was raised Church of Christ, and um, it was a real process. Um, probably for us, the only thing that we really had an argument about was our relationship with the Lord. And um, I was raised, of course, Assembly of God, Pentecostal, and and so that was different. All of my in-laws are Church of Christ, still are. And so, Philip, I really do understand what you're talking about as far as coming out of the regulations and and all the, honestly, the Church of Christ believes that they're the only ones going to heaven, and my in-laws believe that for years. And then it was only, honestly, just well, last few years that they started recognizing that, you know, Paul and I must be going to heaven, and right. we accepted Christ. And, yeah. You know, and the Church of Christ believe that you're not literally saved until you are obedient to water baptism. It's the act of water baptism that saves you. Philip, am I right there? Yeah, you are. I mean, that uh, they, it was, uh, we'd always draw a line on, on a chalkboard, and we would say, you would go from saved, from not saved to saved, and it wasn't until you came out of the water. Uh, and, and as somebody who was going to be a, a Church of Christ preacher, uh, you know, I would have to convince people that, you know, we, we didn't believe that there was power in the water, but you didn't touch the blood until after you came up uh, of the water. Literally. And so what that's telling us is that we can do something. There's a work that I can do it's that can right. merit me salvation. And so that's coming completely against Scripture because we Yeah, and it really— Oh, I'm sorry. No, go I, ahead. It, for, for, for years, I, I, even since 2018, I, I believed that um, form of doctrine for years, and it took me forever to get away from it because, you know, it, you, you got us who believed that, you know, baptism was the key to everything, and then you got some who would totally disregard it. So for years, it was like, I understand that baptism is, is important, right, because it's in the Bible. If it wasn't important at all, it wouldn't be there. So for years, it you know, after praying and, and realizing that, you know, um, I'm, I'm not scared of, of, of baptism anymore. <laughs> like I used it, to wasn't that a struggle. You know? Wasn't that a struggle though, Philip, you know, it was uh, it for was, me. D, D, uh, I had to do so much. Please talk me out of this. You know, is what yeah, I had to I've say. Actually to got a, um, <laughs> I've actually got a book from a guy who was a former church of Christ preacher. And it, it was something that he wrote about. It was called commands, examples, and necessary inferences, one of his books. And it hit me between the head because, you know, we, we would take so many things in the new Testament, uh, and turn examples into commands. And and just so right. one quick one out there is, you know, Acts 20 and verse 7, so they got together to meet together on the first day of the week. Well, that's an example. Uh, unfortunately, brothers, that's not a command. And we would turn things like that into commands, and that's where the whole, uh, where I got, I got to feel, well, if I'm not doing all of these things correctly, then I'm not worthy enough to go to heaven because I'm not following all the commands. And that's really uh, not to include, and this is kind of a, a caveat to this, what really turned me away from the church is, uh, you know, my wife, uh, I was together for her for, um, for eight years before we actually got our marriage certificate. We were engaged and she had a miscarriage and the same people that were supposed to love me and love her gave us a one way ticket to hell. Mm. And that was, that was probably the turning point at, you know, um, you know, right. uh, of the change. So. Man, not not to divvy from, but that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. So, Philip, we have uh, it. What what I'm noticing about on the topic of the rapture, um, I'm noticing that we have people that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. We have people that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture and a post-tribulation rapture. And then and then you you fall in the line of you don't believe the rapture 
is real at all. Am I correct? Uh, that is correct. Okay. And didn't, um, so what I'm hearing people say, what I've read in comments, at least I haven't, I've never spoke to someone that doesn't believe in the rapture because even growing up Baptist, they believed in the rapture as well. So, um, the fact that someone didn't believe in the rapture didn't even strike me until I was quite a bit older. Um, but, um, it is quite a few people don't believe that the rapture is going to happen. Um, and so it was an idea that was created in the 1800s, right? That, that's what I see a lot of people saying. Is, is that why you don't believe in the rapture? Uh, no, it, it, it's not because of that. Um, I, it's definitely not because of that. I just, you know, based off of what I have studied so far, uh, I, I can't believe, I, I don't believe in the rapture because of, the, of some of the things that I've studied so far, uh, whether it be pre, post, or mid. Um, you know, I don't really, you know, I don't know if you want me to expand on that. No, or, please do. We, uh, we've got time. Um, we, I mean, we're only at an hour. We got time. So yeah, just please. Um, well, you know, I, as far as is the, what I understand the rapture to be, um, as far as the second coming comes, I believe that, you know, when Christ comes back, uh, when he comes back to, to get all of us, that's it. And I feel that, you know, when I look at the rapture, it's almost as if you, you know, if you're not taken on the first go round, well, you have another second chance. And if you're not, you know, killed during the tribulation, then on the third and final chance, it's almost like the, the doctrine of second chances to me. And I don't, and as far as the rapture is concerned, I, you know, I, I look at, you know, passages like first Peter talking about, you know, when he comes back, uh, you know, the earth is going to be burned up. Um, the, the kingdom is his church, which he's going to come back and, and, and take us away and, and judge us. And of course, you know, we can look at, uh, first Thessalonians. I know we look at that a lot where it says we'll be caught up. And I read that to say that, you know, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord and be there forever. Um, so Pastor, I, I don't, Pastor Gary. Um, I, so I've been in, I've been in a Wednesday night class with Pastor Gary for, um, I think going on two years now or, or a year and a half, some, somewhere around there. I don't know. I'm not good with time. And over those last two years, I don't remember the Bible verses exactly, but I remember you um, describing um, over the last year that there's two different, Jesus comes back two different times, right? Yes. Which first first time, um, and you always, he, you always cite Bible verses that coincide with what you say. The yep. first time he comes back for the rapture, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second time he comes back, we actually come back with him to um, rule for those thousand years or whatever, right? Yes. Can you describe like biblically where, where you come to that? Sure. And Philip, I'll tell you that my wife, she told me that she had never heard the word rapture all of her years uh, in a Church of Christ church. And we, of course, we were young when we got married, but she is 19 years old, and she said she had never heard the word rapture even mentioned in church. So I know that that is a teaching that is not real prevalent in that background. But um, we believe, and and let me just come from, I I am a pastor, of course, and I've done this for a number of years, but uh, just from our perspective, I'll share with you our belief. One of our basic tenets of faith, we have four basic, and that is salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in divine healing. And the fourth one is the rapture of the church. And, of course, when you think of the rapture, the word rapture itself is not in the church, or excuse me, not in the Bible. 
um, but rapture means to be caught away. And we believe, like you re- referred to that First Thessalonians chapter 4, um, where it says in verse 16 that there's going to be, a, in the moment, in the twinkling of the eye, the archangel will, will shout, and there'll be the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And then we'll so forever be with the Lord. That is um, the promise of the coming of Christ. Um, in John chapter 14, Jesus said um, that he would go away and prepare a place for us, and that if he went away, that he would come again. And so there was the promise from Jesus himself that he would go away and that he would come again. And then in Acts chapter 1, it tells us uh, when Jesus was ascending into heaven, if you remember the angels that appeared to the disciples, they said, this same Jesus you see ascending will in, will in like manner come again, uh, that there's going to be a return. And so there's that constant anticipation and expectation of the return of Christ. Um, we call it the imminent, believing in it being in at any time. And, of course, it's been 2,000 years now, but then the Lord let us know that it is an event that will take place. And that will be, Jesus came the first time, of course, born a baby in the manger. That's that first advent or coming. And then the second time will be the rapture of the church when he captures away his church to go be with him. And then the third time, then he'll come again in Revelation chapter 19, where it says that he'll be coming back literally on a white horse. And at that time, he sets up a kingdom, which is referred to as the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. And so we do believe in, in a rapture of the church when Christ is coming back. Philip, do you have a response to those, um, those Bible verses and those concepts that he um, said so far? Um, no, not really, other than the fact that, um, you know, when I read, the only thing I can think of is when I read the Old Testament, uh, you know, it, it, we have all these uh, prophecies of, of Christ coming the first time. And then, you know, we see uh, them talking all throughout the New Testament of, of Christ being here. And then, you know, he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave. And, of course, they ask him, you know, when he's going to come back again. And he, he finally tells them that, you know, he'll come back. Um, I, I only see two. There's, there should be only be a second coming. That's, I guess what it's hard for me to wrap my mind around is, you know, we talk about he's going to come once. Uh, he already, you know, and he's going to come again and he's going to come again. I just don't understand how that's going to, I mean, where, where does he, where does he leave a second time and come back a third time? That's, I guess that's where I'm hung up at. Yeah. And I really understand what you're saying, but like, like you just said, though, you're, you're right on track. And that is, is that Jesus said that he would leave and that he would come back. And that right there, that event is what we believe in call the rapture of the church is the fact that Jesus is going to be coming back and then in Matthew, when we study Matthew 24, and we look at Mark chapter 13, and look at Luke chapter 21, all of them are what's referred to as the uh, uh, Olivet Discourse. It's Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives with the Temple Mount behind him, and him giving a message concerning his return. And the disciples, they ask him the questions of, when are these things going to be? And Jesus gives us man in relationship with man, saying there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He gives us man in relationship to the environment, saying there's going to be 
pestilences, which is from the original Greek is diseases. Uh, there'll be diseases. AIDS is an end-time event, and COVID is an end-time event. And he says man in relationship to the environment is the famine, earthquakes, and pestilences. And then the last one is man in relationship to God, and that is that the gospel is going to be preached worldwide, but at the same time, the hearts of many will wax cold. And so yeah. even this podcast is going worldwide. And and so those things, and then in verse 8 of Matthew 24 is kind of a key verse because it says that this will be the beginning of birth pains. In other words, yeah. you'll, you'll see these events become more severe, more frequent as you get closer to the return of Christ. Yeah, I just have one quick comment on that because I actually want to look at Matthew 23 and verse 37 where Christ, uh, he's talking to the disciples there and, you know, uh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent. How often have I gathered your children together as hen gathers her brood under her wings and you're not willing? See, your house is left to you desolate for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's almost like Jesus is portraying a picture here like, you know, I, I'm trying to get y'all's attention. You know, I'm about to die on the cross and you're not going to be able to see me again. You're not going to be able to have that abode with me again until, uh, you know, once he dies and they'll be able to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we move to Matthew 24. I'm glad you brought that up. But I think Jesus here is distinctly telling us of two different things. And the first thing is because, you know, the Jews here are, uh, what he's explaining to them is the destruction of the temple. He answers that in Matthew 24, the destruction of the temple, also addressing the end of the world. Right. And, you know, he, you know, and, and, and in verse two, he says, you know, you see all these, uh, you see all these, do you not? I truly say there will not be another left, uh, stone upon that will be thrown down. And I, you know, Jesus here is talking about the destruction of the temple which today has been destroyed because there's not a, there's not a Jew alive today that practices Moses Judaism, it, you know, because I mean, they, they, some that still keep, you know, the kosher and, and the dietary laws, but there, you know, there's not one today uh, that practices, Correct. practices that because they can't, because there's not a temple. And he tells us, you know, and, and, and the disciples here have, I see it that they are, you know, okay, well, when, when is this going to happen? When is this destruction of the temple going to happen? He tells us, you know, uh, in the following verses there, uh, what's going to happen prior to the destruction of the temple, which we, you know, you know, we read that, that happened in AD 70. And, you know, the church was uh, uh, years, I mean, in the scriptures were written years before that, because that, okay. that was the prophecy for that. And then when, when you, when you go, when you go on down, and then I think he addresses uh, his actual second coming. So I read the first part of Matthew 24 is him explaining to the disciples of the destruction of the temple, uh, not his actual second coming. And, and I, I, I agree with you 100%. Because when you look at verse 3 of Matthew 24, there's three questions that the disciples ask. If you'll note, it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, his disciples came to him privately saying, question number one, tell us when will these things be? That's referring back to verse 2. And that verse two is, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. So in other words, he just said this about the destruction of the temple. And they're sitting on the Mount of Olives with Temple Mount right there in clear view. And they ask, tell us, when will these things be? 
And then the next question is, what will be the sign of your coming? And then the third question, the consistent is, is what will be? So the third question would be, what will be the end of the age? So there's three questions asked. And then in that dialogue with the rest of 24, he deals with all three of those questions. So one of the questions is, when will this temple be destroyed? And, and you're right on track. That is, it was 70 AD. And when Titus came in and burnt the temple, uh, the gold melted down the mortar. And to be able to get the gold out of the mortar, the bricks, they took one stone off the other and was able to get the gold. And literally, the prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD when Titus came in. And so that's the, and that has been fulfilled. That's already, to us, it's history. And so then the next two questions, one is, what will be the sign of your coming? And the other is, what will be the sign of the end of the age? And so the challenge for us in studying Matthew 24 is, honestly, which question is he answering? You see what I mean? I, I hear what you're saying, um, and I, I think I, I think he answered answered that. You know, uh, you know, they saw all these things happen, uh, and then the temple was destroyed. Um, and I, I honestly, I think that the disciples and the Jews at that time were were so. Um, how can I put it? You know, because Israel was God's people, so it, you know, Israel was like the was like the Washington D.C. of this time. You know, and it was this prominent place, and 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 they're still, you know, kind of fixated on Jesus coming back to rebuild that temple and and restore Israel to that place, and which I don't believe is going to happen. You know, uh, and I think the disciples were still kind of confused even before he was ascended, because if you look at Acts chapter one verse six, you know, he said, "So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?'" So there's still I still I still think there's confusion because actually past this point, after they received the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter eight, there was no mention of are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And and because when it comes to the the, the, the doctrine of the rapture, we're implying that Christ is going to come back to this earth and restore to that Israel, which he's not going to do, because his kingdom is the church. He's going to take us to heaven and we're either going you know, we're either going to be with him forever or not. That's the way that I see that. I have a I have a, a question about a Bible verse, Pastor Gary. Maybe um, goes to you as well, um, Philip. So there's one there's one Bible verse that I wonder if it pertains to the rapture or not. Um, it's when it's in Revelation, and it's when Jesus had taken um, John up to heaven, and he was having a vision. He's telling him to write all these things down, and there's a portion in there where John talks about a great multitude of people that are at the great white throne of judgment. And he said that there's more people up there um, than than the number of the sands of the sea or whatever. Is that the people from the rapture? Pastor Gary? Oh, for me? Yeah. Um, it, 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 if, if it's the reference I'm thinking of, it's that uh, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands innumerable we said that around the throne of he's, God. That he, he, that he was taken up into heaven in the book of Revelation, he, and he, he's describing... Uh, a bunch of people in white robes, mm-hmm. uh, like a bunch of people. He said, "There's more people than than the mm-hmm. eyes can imagine," yeah. and I think it's I think it's like um, I think it's probably Revelation 16 or 15, right before 17 and 18, because that's where I start getting weird right there. But like, um, you don't you don't remember that Bible verse? Um, no, I don't remember. Off the top of my head, I don't. It's, uh, it talks I, about okay. Hold on, I know where oh, I didn't bring I my know, computer. I know. 
what you're talking about because of the I think Bible it's called study. the great multitude. Let me google it real quick. I'm going to and then I'll I'll read it. I bet I could find it. I'm going to google it. It's going to be faster than what I am. It's called the great multitude multitude revelation. Now of course revelation chapter 7 7 9, yeah. In white robe, it's the, it's so. Here's the NIV Revelation chapter seven verse nine. nine yep. Said after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. That was all the people that are owned by Jesus. That's all the people accepted Jesus, isn't it? And if you'll notice, just prior to that is um, the. Twelve tribes of Israel. Israel, yeah, so forty-four thousand Jews. Yeah, but then it talks about the great multitude that it says that there's a bunch of people there. Correct. More, um, and they cried out in a long, loud voice, "Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, "Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God and forever and ever." Amen. So can I, and I don't want to misdirect you guys from where you're going, but I want to ask Philip something. Philip, when you talk about, see, the religious group that I grew up, when we talk about rapture, their heads would explode because they were, or at least my circles would, because they were, they got, the way Gary described rapture, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ and us all going up and meeting him in heaven. Yes. Right. Now, I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that. We just call it the second coming. But I, I think where my confusion came in was the pre, post, this, this tribulation rapture, this, this idea that we're suddenly going to be gone and the rest of the world's going to continue on as it was. And because, you know, it says in the Bible, every eye shall see him, every, you know, People will scream out for the, the, the evil will scream. The people that have not accepted God will scream out for the rocks to fall on them. That, that the absolute horror of the truth. Yeah. Well, that, that's why they talk about the rapture is because the revelation is basically it's recounting end times events. And then right after this like rapture concept, people are talking about the seven bowls of judgment and then the seven um, lampstand or whatever. Yeah, It's like revelation yeah. is multi-layered and it retells the same thing from a slightly different camera angle. That's why. Would. And I think yeah. that's where people get confused. And then we have complete, you know, the, what Paul say, don't argue or disputable matters. And then here, here we, this is where we get all the different factions of Christianity. But hold on. One person says, no, it's pre, no, it's post. I think it's actually, I think it's actually to me as a Christian, I think this is one of those things that you need to, you need to nail down because like, as far as those, those, those end times things that's going on, those are pretty horrifying things that you don't want to be a part of. And so most Christians are asking, am I going to have to be a part of that? Like, what if I am alive? Here's my question. What, what makes you more important than the 12 disciples? Right. They didn't, every single one of them were martyred. Yeah. Yeah. Horribly. And so we ask, we, we ask ourselves, do I, do I have to be a part of that? And so Pastor Gary, you're pre-tribulation, right? 
I believe the next thing to happen on God's timetable is the rapture of the church. Right now. You and, said and nothing else happen. needs to happen. Yeah, I believe it could happen any moment. And then right after the rapture begins what we call the tribulation. The tribulation is roughly a seven-year period. And in that seven-year period, three and a half years roughly, is a time when Antichrist, there's there's an individual, First Thessalonians chapter, or excuse me, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, there's an individual that's going to come to power. And in fact, th- that's tonight's topic. And, and I, I've been studying this for hours, you know, because <laughs> there's a connection between the temple and, and like Philip said, re- referring to Israel. And, and my a little bit different than what Philip is that God will never deny Israel. Uh, Israel is a covenant relationship with God. But I believe that the next thing to happen on God's timetable is what I call the word is rapture, which is the second coming of Christ, when the church will be caught up together to be with him. That's the next thing to happen. Then okay. the tribulation. Philip, I'm curious uh, on what your mindset is. So you don't believe the rapture happens at all. So do you believe that whenever we're caught up to be with Jesus, you believe that's the last thing to happen in the whole um, like great play? Yeah, like is, is whenever we get taken up, into heaven. That's the very last thing that happens. Uh, according to what I read, yes. I mean, he says, well, he says we'll be caught up when, and, and the word rapture, uh, you know, Tim Hayes has a book out and, uh, they get it from the word rapture, which is actually a Latin word. Uh, so it's, it's not in scripture, but caught up, whatever you want to call it, we'll be caught up with the Lord. And it says that we, we shall remain there forever. You know, and, and when I read, you know, First Peter 3, it talks about the earth's going to be burned up. So I'm not really sure how I can wrap my mind around, you know, the rapture is going to cause mass confusion. Mm-hmm. The Lord says he, he is not the author of confusion. So, I mean, if I'm driving down the street, you know, and, and heaven forbid I don't get taken in this rapture that we're talking about. I mean, that's going to cause mass confusion. Well, the reason and, and, and why I, the reason why there'd be mass confusion is because the people that are left are serving the author of confusion. confusion. How, how many people would die and be denied um, the chance to turn to Jesus with all of the Christians suddenly leaving cars that are going 80, 90 miles an hour on the highway? Airblind pilots flying, let's say, aircraft. Gone. Gone. Um that's the thing that blows my mind the most is like if all that happens right and the bible the bible tells us that there's still going to be people that do not believe there's still people that don't repent i mean i'm human i can't i just i'm I'm, I'm like i mean yeah i mean mark 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 tells us that you know and mark chapter nine tells us that you know some people will not taste uh death until the kingdom of glory is upon them so there's there's going to be people that who, who don't believe regardless of what happens until you know they see the face of God. But my my point is, you know, we're this is how I kind of you know when he said you know we don't you know argue about you know things that sometimes you know right. yeah. Right. What what I have realized over the last few months is there's nothing that me you or the man on the moon can do about what's going to happen at that time. Yeah. What our goal is now. And our charge right now is the gospel is just to be prepared for the second coming because he tells us yeah. he doesn't know when it's going to be. That's I mean, you can good. think it's in. I mean, you can think it's in five minutes. You can think it. You know, whatever's going on in the world, and that's that's totally you know your prerogative. But we don't know when Christ is coming back. We have a charge, therefore, and 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 your your time to get it right is right now. 
And I do, I I just, it's hard for me to believe based off of scripture that, you know, when Christ comes back, when, when that trumpet sounds and we're all looking in the sky, like, you know, because here's where I get caught up. If he comes back and it's all mysterious, but then also at the same time, we're supposed to see him at the same time, but then, you know, only those who are with him are going to get caught up. And then there's still seven years. You got to understand like that to me, scripturally, I can't find. Well, and I'm not, and I'm not, you know, and that, that's my only kind of foresight on that is, you know, look, you, you got an opportunity right now to accept whether you want to believe in Christ or not. Cause when he comes back, that there, there is no second and third. You know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I really do. Because the primary thing, like you're saying is, is that we're ready right now for the next event to happen. And then what ha- happens after that event, honestly, you know, it's going to be a, a lot of different opinions, a lot of different perspectives and, and really the main thing is I don't think when we get to heaven we're going to have a problem if the Lord says, hey, you know, that you tribulation, got that yeah, got that you, right. you got a little bit off on there. And, right. and, there. and if we get to heaven, I think, okay, I'm sorry, didn't get it right. Main thing is I got what was important right. Right. And that yeah. is I accepted yeah. Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I lived for him and made him the Lord of my life. And that was a, and that was a critical point for me, you know, growing up the way I did, because, you know, the, the way we grew up and, uh, I believe you said it was your wife, correct? It was correct. Former, yeah. All right. You know, growing up like that, I mean, everything had to be right, right, right. I mean, right as rain. I mean, I, there, there were times when I would walk into other churches who were playing music and I, guys, I thought my skin right. was going to burn. <laughs> it, it was no, okay. intermits, no so, instrumental music, was he, it? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, as, I, as I used Andy to ask them, why do they use microphones if you can't use a guitar? <laughs> right. Well, you know, as Barney, as, as Andy told Barney Fife, do you know the words to acapella? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but no, um, so I, I hope, um, you know, and, and for the record, I'm not saying anybody is wrong here because no. I, I came here with an open heart and open mind because it's not something that I have studied as much as I want to, but I think what what's getting me past the worrisome of what's going on in the world is, which I know we have to study the topic, is, is we have to be ready. I mean, right. for whatever That's happens. It. Because I mean, if if it is going to happen, I want to, you know, I want to be gone too. I'm sure you, you guys, and, and you know, the one too, thing so. that I hope that people see that are this is a unbelievers podcast, and what I hope unbelievers see in this is that Christians can have different perspectives, and that we can, at the end of the day, love each other, no argument, uh, focus on the main thing, and what we want to do more than anything else is keep the main thing the main thing. And that is Jesus Christ. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want to live for him and have you made him Lord of your life and and that's the main thing. Yeah. And, yeah, and unbelievers and like you and I and you know, we may differ on some things, but the main thing is we we know Jesus. And it's and, all- and I just want to comment on, on, on one thing real quick that I noticed about that. You know, when you look at Paul and, and when he went to the church at Corinth and church in Thessalonica and, and you know, all these churches in different areas had different cultures. And what really threw me for a loop is, you know, just because, you know, on 304 Harder of Road, we're turning to page 834 on Sunday mornings does not mean that church that's, you know, tra- that's, you know, worshiping across the seas has to be turned into page 804 at 1005 on Sunday morning. Correct. You know, we don't all have to get it right. Yeah. Because I believe that's where grace comes in. Thank God for grace. And that's something that, that's not something I was taught growing up was we were afraid to touch grace, it, you know, and which was a big deal. 
Yeah. You know, which, which does bring us to the second coming. Because if you don't, I mean, grace is what was going to get us through. But that was something that I was never taught, never emphasized on, because that was, you know, that was, as we refer to it, as the other form of doctrine. Mm. Okay, you know, Philip, right here, um, right here at the end, right here at the end of the show, we're at 128 now. Um, what we do is we go around the room. And um, I'm going to give everybody a final, like a final say, a goodbye to you. And then um, since you're our guest, you're going to get the final, final say. That's why I cut you off, Larry. So you could have your, you could tell him on yours. Okay. Sound good? Don't look at me. I'll come over there. Get Larry approval. Dude, I'll come over there. He's looking at me like he wants to eat my heart out. That's what I said. Like, gee, many Christmas, dude. Okay, Angela says no. Um, Mark, Mark, what do you got today? Hey, Philip, man, I, I love this conversation with you because I am rapture agnostic, meaning without knowledge. I, my mind is open to changing my mind. Uh, growing up, that was a trigger word for many people in my religion um, that I was raised in. Hearing Gary explain it, I believe in the rapture. We're all going to heaven, man. Now, you know, we can all, I, you know, I think like what we talked about, we could get sidetracked about the timing of it, but in the great scheme of things, what's the big picture? And I love to be educated and I love going to end time studies and looking at, at, um, at what the prophecies are, but the, the major message for me has always been trim your wick, make sure you're on the right team. And now I don't think any of us can deny we've got to, we we're living in end times, if not end times, the beginning of the end times, and just I, you know I remain in hopeful expectation. It sounds like you do too, and I really appreciated you sharing with us. All right, thanks, Mark, Larry. Okay, um, first off, I appreciate you reaching out to uh, to me when I I got a hold of you on this. I'm going to ask for for correction or direction. Okay. In my world, I was raised to believe that there were two distinct events, distinct and separate from each other in time and in action. One of them is the rapture of the church. Christ doesn't necessarily come back at the rapture of the church. He's in the clouds. Yeah. You caught up with him in the clouds. That's and the way then you I go to him. Yeah. And then the second coming is when we come back we're basically coming back with him and he comes back for the war of Armageddon to end the tribulation and to set up his kingdom. That's the way I understood it. Okay. Just like he's so just I see it. that two distinct separate events, but when I'm listening, I'm I'm getting a blurred line on on that in myself. So I'm needing correction or direction. No, you're right on track. Perfect. So when okay. the rapture isn't, really is it technically the second coming of Christ? Right, then? it's not. Because well, he's me, not coming, he's taking We're caught us. up with him in the clouds, yeah. Right. And again, that's kind of semantics or terminology. Yeah, semantics. Right. You know, yeah. I refer to his second coming, you know, because Jesus said, I'm going to go away and I'm going to come again. And so he comes again in, you know, this catching away. But uh, I see what you're saying. Because he doesn't touch down on planet Earth, not in the rapture right he doesn't come and make his presence when he comes and makes his first off the rapture is as a thief in the night correct you don't see him the ones that are prepared hear him just like the five virgins they had their ready they had their oil ready and their wicks trimmed the five non-ready ones had to go get it and yeah. when when the uh when the groom came and they went into the marriage house they shut the door 
in yeah. Jewish culture, when they shut the door, it is rude to open the door. So those five that weren't prepared could not enter into the marriage. Yes, they knew about it. Yes, they were invited, but they were not prepared at that particular time. So there was a shutting of the door. Several times in Scripture, Christ uses that particular analogy to explain uh, yeah. the rapture in, a, in, in the like way the that whole, I understood it. The whole world's up. not going to see Jesus on the rapture. Yeah, you, we're, right? it's going to happen in a blinking of an eye. Or do you think the whole world's going to see Jesus? No, but it, it tells us in Acts, and Acts to me is the best you know, reference, especially for that particular topic, because it says that those who look for him will see him. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, let me let me find that very quickly, and it's Acts um, chapter 1, if you will. Here we go. And it's just after the ascension, and the angels appear. Uh, Jesus, if you will, ascended in heaven, verse 9, uh, now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Right. And when he comes through the clouds riding a white horse as the king that he was that the Jews expected the Messiah to be. Now see, I don't see that. I see this as the rapture, that, not the return prior to the millennial. Right. And okay. I and I see that as the second coming. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. strange because how how do we correlate that with Revelation one to one seven? Look, he is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see. Right. Yes. Yeah. Even Every those eye will who see. pierced him. Because to me, are... this this one in Acts is talking about the believers. And, yeah. And he's going to re- return in like manner. Yeah. The like manner is who was it that saw him ascend? The, the believers. The who were looking for him. Okay, oh. the believers. And then you see this Jesus ascending to heaven and those in like manner he'll come Ooh. again. And the only ones yeah. that will see him are the ones that are looking for him. That's why there's t- there's two Ooh. distinct ones because there's there's the Bible makes it clear there is going to be a day where literally everyone's going to see him. Everyone is going to. There know. will be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mind blown. So yeah. in like manner, the way the way you I ascended, which was to a very few and the believers, mm-hmm. is the way I'm coming back. He's going to take us. Then he's going to go up to heaven. Satan's going to be loose to fool the nations. And then he's, he's coming. coming down in the city with us. You it's have a saying, Israel. You have a saying that you say in these Wednesday night classes that I find it. You and said every eye shall that see Jesus that. was here as something once, but then the next time he comes, he's coming back as king. He's right? coming back as king. What's he that came, saying? He you came say? as a lamb. He came back as a suffering savior. He came back to give his life. You know, humble servant, suffering, suffering savior. And he'll come back again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yes, oh, yeah. he came back. Hum, came first time in humility, come back in and, power and, and sacrifice. Coming back again in power, authority as King and Lord of Lords, and every eye will behold him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, thank you. Cool, Larry. Yeah. Read your Bible yeah. verse, please. I, um, Philip, I got a Bible verse that goes along with this, and mine is First Thessalonians four. 16 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we'll then we will be with the Lord forever. And I got a second verse, First Thessalonians five nine. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Okay, so that we'll be with the Lord forever. That doesn't necessarily mean in one place. It can mean multiple yeah. places. Because so, the Bible makes it so clear there's a new heaven, right? Yeah, what we're saying with Gary is saying that, yeah, we'll go up, then we'll be with Jesus for a thousand years, and then we're going to come down to earth, and then Armageddon's going to happen. It's seven years. Seven years. Yes. Oh, it's seven years. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a thousand. Well, and we're going to look at this this evening, and it's a timeline. And the timeline rapture the church on planet earth, seven-year tribulation. At the same seven time, years. marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, judgment seat of Christ. At the end of that, Revelation 19, when Christ returns, and that touched down on all of that. Mm-hmm. The Mount of Olives will split. He'll go into Jerusalem, set up his kingdom, and will reign on planet Earth for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So that's the timeline. And then at the end of the thousand years, I think you made reference to this last week, there will be people who still don't believe. It's crazy. Yeah. Even though they see Jesus as Lord and are forced to worship him, at the end of the day, they still choose to deny him. That and blows my mind. So that would be that would be an example of Christ's ultimate and God's ultimate love and grace is the final. Yeah, here I am. Net, the final. All you people who said on the podcast you want evidence of me, here I am. And then make nope. your choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm done. You're an alien. Yeah. And see, I believe that you know, all of us judge God. All of us do. I judge God to be a good God. I judge right. Him to be a merciful God. A, gracious God. There are people who judge God as being a harsh God, and that I believe that God's going to give us every opportunity to be right with him. I believe he wants to do, he wants us saved more than we want to be saved, and so I believe in that mercy of God. So I judge him as a righteous, good, kind, loving God, and in that, I believe God's going to give us every opportunity for salvation and to know him as Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Larry, wrap your... Philip, I so appreciate you, um, like I said, reaching out to me, talking to me, and then coming on to the show. And this has just been awesome being able to, A, learn, and B, I hope that uh, we gave you a good format. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pastor Gary, your final. Philip, it's good to meet you. And... um, I love your heart. I love the fact that I love what you said at the very beginning, that you're still learning. And I call myself a perpetual student. I always want to be learning. And I love the fact that your heart's open to the truth and you're wanting to follow according to to the truth of God's word. And God bless you as you continue to seek him. Thank you. Okay, my final, um, I just want to draw attention. We talked about this in the intro before you came on. We talked about... um, setting uh, us needing to be better examples um, for Christ. We need to lead people to Christ through our actions. And I believe one of the main things that's deterring people from following Christ is the way believers interact with each other. 
Um, why would anyone want to be a Christian if we can't even love each other? Why would they want to come into something that is full of constant turmoil and um, disrespect? Um, yes. And so what I believe what we did today here was show that we can um, show that we love each other. Because I love you. Like Pastor Gary said, he loves your heart. Um, and how you approach God. And um, and I know I felt that from you here today. So thank you for coming on today. And um, whether we le- leave here, disagree or not, I don't care. I think we set a good example of um, what the way Christians should act. And for any Christians that's listening, if you disagree on topics, this is the way that you should act. Um, and unbelievers, I hope this gives you a good example of what we can be like um, inside a church. So, um, Philip, that was my last thing. Floor is yours. Well, uh, first of all, I thank all of you for uh, allowing me to come on here. Um, and the only thing I'd like to leave with everybody as far as with the differing of opinions, you know, something that um, I, I told you early on when my wife had her miscarriage and, and the people that were supposed to love us the most didn't. Uh, it was just eye-opening to me because there were certain people in my life who, who believed differently than I did. But the one constant thing that they showed me uh, was love. And the number one thing was they always tried to point me to Christ in a way that was very unselfish. And that, you know, we can sit here and talk about whatever topic, but if we can all love the Lord and, and love other people, um, that's what drew me in. And I just hope and pray that, that you know, that is the same example that we can set for other people that, you know, don't look favorably on Christianity or, or whatever the case may be, is just to be able to love one another uh, unconditionally at all times, because that's, that's what was shown to me by a few people in my life. And it was because of their example that I came to know the true love of the Lord and, and let him, you know, do a work in my life. So um, thank you guys and, and ladies so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to come here. And, and you know, I'd definitely be open for it again. Okay, Philip. Thank brother. you so much, brother. Take care of yourself, Thank okay? You, you too. Bye bye. There you go. Cool. That was fun, huh? Good. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Different than what we normally do, but this was educational as well. Yeah. Thank you, um, Gary. You put to rest a serious problem I had with the whole rapture and then second coming with the whole in like manner. I thought there was, I'd been told one, you know, then explain to me every eye shall see him and the rocks will cry out. Okay, we're talking two separate events and that statement, as you've seen me leave, so shall I come get my church. Um, that, uh, Like I said, now I'm not rapture agnostic. Well, here's, <laughs> no, actually, here's, one, thing, here's okay. one thing I'll bring up. Bring up, like <laughs> I've always said... Knowledge. Like, Pastor, there's one thing that you've said over the last thing that, that I've been like, I've been like, I don't know if I agree with that or not, right? But I've always told people, I always tell people, you got to tell people the truth, right, at all times, because you make yourself look silly if you don't. And you told me about, you don't believe in generational curses, no. right? And my, um, the reason why I disagree with you, my, my answer to that is, it just doesn't seem right. But then whenever you, whenever you bring you bring scripture and you you tie it into things everything you say you don't say anything without bringing scripture i I really don't think we should even like we shouldn't even draw stances without having scripture at all it doesn't seem right but guess what 
I, if you come to Pastor Gary, you better have your lunch packed. At least you better have some knowledge. You can't just come in and with no scripture whatsoever and just say, I don't believe this. Like, can, can I draw a correlation to that about something? Uh-huh. Um, I remember going through uh, the 12 steps of recovery. And then I was told, okay, you're going to take your experience. You're not going to shut the door on it anymore. You're going to use it to help other suffering alcoholics. And my sponsor drove into me, stick with the book, because that's the program of recovery. You go off on marriage counseling and financial counseling, and you're not sticking with what the book says, then you might kill somebody. Yeah. And so I think spiritually, we're talking about something even more deadly. We're talking about eternal death mm-hmm. versus being next to our God, eternal life. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's exactly right. People just blurt stuff out. Mm-hmm. And it's like. It's almost like we get bored and we just want to, like, make up things to disagree about. But gener- generational curses, though, that, that, you know, like for this podcast, that's something that a lot of people deal with. Yeah. Um, and the belief in that is to believe that I am like I am because my parent or grandparent was that way. So when I talk about generational curses, I talk about like, for example, maybe your father um, had a some sort of like demonic attachment due to like sexual intercourse or something. And he mm-hmm. invited some sort of or maybe even like a satanic ritual of some yep. sort um, and invited this demon in the presence of your family lineage or whatever. And because of your family line, you basically inherit the presence of this demon in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so in order to break those those curses, you have to break that generational curse because this demon was invi- invited in your family line, essentially. Right. And this is all stuff that I've just heard of over the years of just you know, being alive essentially and sure. researching. And see, I don't believe in that at all. Because you don't? I believe my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is independent of my parents or my grandparents. Yeah, you have to you have to be accountable for your own actions, right. not anybody else, right? right. And my, my grandfather was wicked, and, and uh, my dad was abusive. And if I had to be like my grandfather or my dad, my dad accepted the Lord later in life. But if, if I was going to be like them then i would have been a sexual pervert like my grandfather was who had his twin boy and girl my dad do sexual acts in front of him Mm -hmm. you know and and my dad told me that on his deathbed never told me until on his deathbed that that even happened yeah and so that was my grandfather and then and because of that abuse and because of some of the things that my dad how he was brought up he didn't want anything to do with god and then he later on accepted the Lord, and I got to be his pastor for a number yeah. of years. But the point is, is wow. this, if I if I accepted generational curses, then I would just think that I automatically am going to have to be like my dad and like my grandfather. Because but you don't have to be, yeah. Don't. You broke You broke free from that. Now, I can see, I, I agree with that, and I can see... I can see why, like, for example, I, I told my wife over this last weekend, like, um, and I'll just be... I'll come open about what I talked about. I mean, I've told you everything else. I'm like, I open my closet door and I'm like, you want to see my pretty skeletons? But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask. Um, why, are, why, t- why are you <laughs> prefacing this? I talked to my this wife this, this weekend and I'll, I'll open up about what we talked about is um, like, I don't think I'm meant to be a leader um, in anything. That's and, doubt caused by Satan. And that's all. Well, hold on. I'll explain myself. My dad, my dad growing up, 
is essentially God. I hope he doesn't hear this. If he does, it's the truth, Dad. You know it. My dad's a big weenie. He's a pushover. He's passive, very passive individual. And I sat there and watched that. And I'm a lot like that, you know. And um, I'm a lot like that. And here God is forcing me into these um forcing me into these leadership positions. And frankly, like I told my wife this weekend, I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in these anymore. I want to just go back to driving a truck and I want to sit there and I want somebody to tell me what to do every day. And I just want to go home and enjoy my time with my family. I want this to stop because I am, I'm like my dad. Yeah. I'm like my dad. Like I have that uncomfortable, passive attitude. I'm going to tell you the thing that would worry me the most about you is if you said, uh, I have every right to be a leader. You know, right. if you were, yeah. you know, if you were to tell me, man, I'm a leader and I'm a great leader, man, I'm a man that everybody needs to follow and everybody yeah. needs to shuck and jive and come bow before me. You know, if you just tell me that, I go, boy, you got a problem. Right. Yeah. First test Thessalonians four, four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens yeah. me. Why can't we live that lifestyle? Now I'm going to give you an example of being able to break those curses. My wife's, Mom was an alcoholic. She actually died of cirrhosis of the liver. My wife fell into alcoholism. Now she could have said, "There's, you know, this is all." I'm, and I even had voiced that when we first met, knowing that her mother was an alcoholic. You kind of need to start watching what you're drinking. You know, you need to start paying attention to what you're doing. Did I speak it into her? I don't know. No, but no. The, the, but the thing no. is, just, that she took up drinking, and in her mind, this is what I'm going to be because yeah. that's what I was born to be because well, of my mother. Yeah, that's but, all you know. But here's the difference. That's all you know. She didn't break those. She didn't break that generational curse off of her. She came to the Lord, and the Lord broke those chains, my friend. Yeah, he's the chain breaker. She made a she made a choice. She suffered for the actions of her choice, and then God delivered her from her choices, her not choices. not from the choices of her parents. Right. And we're talking about complete deliverance. Now, I tend to have um, those actions of my father because I grew up around it. That's all I saw. That's the only male leadership that I saw. But you have I had a good several example. in front of you now. Yeah, and I had a good example of leadership in my grandpa, and I realized what male leadership was because my grandpa's presence was a pretty quiet man and didn't really do a whole lot. But when my grandpa died, I watched everything around him start to fall apart. The women, the family, and everything else like that. And I always thought about that growing up because I was like 14 at the time. But I always thought about that. I was like, why are all these people different now that my grandpa's gone? It's because he was the epitome of male leadership. And whatever root and whatever rules and regulations he had were already established to the point to where he didn't have to say anything. Just him being there was leadership enough because he had already had those boundaries set or whatever. And I was old enough to where I didn't get to see him establish those boundaries. But when you remove him, then everything starts to fall apart. And I realized that over the years. I was like, my grandpa was a, must have been a good leader. My grandpa was an extremely strong man and very, very much so um, able to run route on all of us grandsons who were i actually thought my grandpa was a giant of a man it does and being a guy who's six at that time six six now i'm six five but i mean i was a big guy but i thought my grandpa was huge he was only five foot nine the problem wasn't his stature 
he he was a giant in his abilities and his leadership capabilities. And he had all daughters, but he knew how to handle us boys, you know, all the way. And yeah. I learned how I learned my work ethic from him. Yeah. You I know? think there's a key word that, that has helped me a lot is tendency. Tendency. And, and that is, is like, for example, people who call generational curses to me is tendency. There may be a tendency because you're around it as far as alcohol and, and Darcia. She is around it so much. There may be a tendency towards this because of influence. And what we have to do is overcome some of those tendencies. And sometimes we view traits like leadership. We, we view traits that we have as negative traits when some of their, sometimes there's some of the best traits in a leader, you know, and to me, one of the best uh, I've learned over the years when, when I was in school, uh, when it came day for oral report, um, I was so bashful, you know, that I'd take, I found out you could take mustard, put it in hot water, throw it in the back of your mouth, make you puke. <laughs> and, and I'd do that every day yeah. you know, to keep from going to school. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this upset stomach. I don't get to go to school because it's oral port. And my English teacher, even as a senior in high school, she was, and I love her, because she would let me do my oral report after school when everybody was gone. And as far as being up in front of people talking, never. And so it there was just no, no way I could do that. And um, the first time I taught a Sunday school class, then next thing, God opens the door. The very first time I preached, it was still for 700 people. <sighs> And as number one, first time. And, but the point being is, wow. is that God did that. Okay. My ten- yeah, not my you. Ten- yeah. You explained my Tennessee will go. And that is, I'd love to be left alone. Just go on an island being by myself. You know, don't give me any responsibility. Just let me be me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's my tendency. But I've got to overcome that tendency and do what God wants me to do. Yeah. With this surrender. Wow. And that's what the key phrase is it yeah. goes right back surrender. to the knocking yeah. of the doors yeah. that's surrender. why that's I, why um I surrender i just i don't want i i don't really want to do this but i'm going to get up and do it and then always when you do that you look backwards and you can see exactly what god did i you never can see it front ways yeah. well sometimes you can't you, you can get or glimpses of what he's trying to do well but right. then you always look backwards and say well you had an idea and you might it have been m- around right about some things but, but it was much bigger than way what bigger you way bigger but i told um whenever people like people have a problem have you ever heard that song reckless love of that the never ending reckless love mm-hmm. of god oh, yeah. mm-hmm. i remember um i i got in this like mini debate with someone um, where they said that they had a problem with calling God's love reckless because he's very precise and very God's never reckless. God knows what he's doing. They had a, they had this issue and something popped in my head instantly because I, I had that, um, once I had what I told you earlier, um, where I was working for this multi-million, close to billion dollar company. And I would walk in every day and I had a load sheet, my name next to it. And I had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and had the whole week planned out for me. I knew exactly what I was going to do that week. I came in, I grabbed the clipboard, I went and loaded my truck, I went and delivered it, and I came home. I knew exactly what my money was going to be. Yeah. I knew exactly what my paycheck was going to be. I come home to Angela, and we just knew exactly. And I felt like I was the, I had no stress. I was the best parent. I was the best husband. I had none of this stuff going on. And I was still like felt something I would get on my knees and pray. I felt something wrong, like going on and God was calling me away from there. And I told Angela, I was like, I'm going to do this forever. 
I watched God tank that multi-million dollar company just low enough to get me out of there because he didn't want me there. He's calling me out of there, and I mm-hmm. I planted my feet. I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I want to stay here forever. And God's like, no, no, you're not. And I watched him tank it just low enough. There was like, there was 16 layoffs. And because I was so good at that issue, like they didn't lay me off. But it got to the point low enough to where they finally had to let me go. And they let me go, and the company started going back up. And I sat there, and I monitored that. And I was like, you know, I don't want to think that I'm, like, arrogant enough to think that God tanked that entire company just to get me out of there. But if he did, that is what I call reckless love. Is yeah. because if anybody else did it, it, it no, it's, it's not reckless when God does it. But if anybody else did what God did, because God doesn't care about your billion dollars. No. God doesn't care about your company. He cares about his children. That story is like Good. almost right in line with Jonah. Yeah. I mean, he he told him, you're going to have to throw me over because I'm the reason that the storm is here. You know, yeah. and they had to throw him over and then the boat sailed on without any issues. Yeah. Think that through. I yeah. mean, that's like, that's a, like amazing. My wife wanted me to uh, uh, rescind. It's not First Thessalonians. It's Philippians 4.13. There oh, I could, go. yeah. Got it straightened out. All right. Could, now, secondly, can you interpret a dream for me? I don't normally share any of these because I don't normally remember my dreams, but I woke up this morning saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My dream was I was kind of standing on a hill with a friend of mine, and I don't know who it was. I never actually saw who that person was, but I know we were standing, not sitting in a car. I'm looking out over a hill, and I said, Oh my goodness, look at that, look at that, look at that. And through the clouds came four black stallions. Now, I didn't see exactly who was on the four black stallions, but I know that the stallions came through. Then more horses came with it with riders. One of them was a pale horse, and it they came down like like right next to me. And I can see the the hair on the dude on the pale horse and i saw his face but i couldn't you know i know he had a beard i couldn't tell you who he looked like but i mean like literally my hand goes out like this and he slaps my hand as he goes by but i mean i was like my mindset was that was the rapture but i was still standing on the ground and i wasn't all that happy about that but i mean i don't know what it meant it's definitely a god but i know that it was like I was just filled with joy. Okay, hold on a second. I mean, I woke up filled with joy. While you think about the interpretation, I'm going to read a Bible verse showing proof that we're in the last last days based off your your dream. But you think about that interpreting, okay? Acts 2.17. It says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men... We'll see visions like me, right? I see visions all the time, young men. And then it says, yeah, your old, old men will dream dreams. dreams. Dang Thank it, you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that Proof. so much. Proof we're in the, old, <laughs> we're in the last day. Hey, have you, have you paid attention to the clips on video? Hey, did Larry just fist bump the pale horse rider of Revelation? <laughs> I know. It freaked me out, dude. I, I mean, know. Seriously, is that what we got next? Well, no, a third it's of the world population's going to die. Slap, not, not did you do that? Did you do the? With the end but it's like it? it's here, you know. <laughs> but the uh, the overall thing, kind of um, the TikTok videos. There are so many TikTok videos yeah. of young 
kids, young kids. And I'm talking like, like Evie, like, you know, like Jonah, you know, young kids. I had a dream and they're talking about raptures. Yeah. And then yeah. old men How detailed are, they started are too? talking about, I got this vision. I got this yeah. vision. I got this vision. And yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll accept I'm an old man and that's a vision. Fantastic. I never thought God would ever use me this way, but this is, I'm, I'm so. It's cool, huh? Elated because I never remember dreams. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I might wake up, I wake up joyful sometimes, but I've, I don't remember why I've had, I've had so many God dreams and there's still a couple. I've told you a couple that God has, has not revealed the name. Like it, some, some dreams I've had that God revealed over like five years later. Like, but I'll tell you that, that, that really does sound like a God dream to me just because like God uses like numbers a lot in his dream. Like when there's multitudes of something like three windows or four horses or something like that. And that. And that all of that means something. Well, we're studying Revelations, and I, there's no place where there's four blacks, yeah. you know, yeah. black horses. I mean, all all of sure it means something. Right. And the color of them all yeah. being black means something. I like, know. And it's like, why was I happy about that? So, God, um, God, what you need to do is you need to go in in private, and you need to pray to God and ask him to reveal it to you, and then do what you do. Trust that he will whenever he's ready for you to understand it. Oh, I know that part. Because he not, will, he will yeah. reveal it to you. He did not give you that dream for for you to just not understand it. So you will understand it. Because I, I doubt you have an interpretation I, for it right now. I yeah. was going to say absolutely don't know. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say love like your dream, Dad. Uh, damn it, Gary. Yeah, God's going to God's going to reveal it to you whenever he he did not give you that. I sounds like a dream to me. I, I'll God. tell you one thing that I do when people bring me dreams is one is I and I already heard it from you, and that is is how did it make you feel. You know, and what was bear witness with your spirit? Because spirit bears witness with spirit concerning the things of God. You're happy. You I know without a doubt that I was asleep. I know that my alarm went off at five fifteen. I know that I turned it off, and this this when I went back to sleep, and I I know that when that happened, I said thank you Jesus three times. I set up in bed. And I, this isn't in the dream. This is truth. I set up in the bed. I reached over and grabbed my phone. And it was 532, I think. And I'm like, does this mean the rapture's like right now? And I mean, I I, yeah. I didn't say anything. I was quiet, which is unusual. But I, I could feel her. But I was in a little bit of a panic until I heard her. Her slight. Do you think this Darcia went and you and you yeah. stayed? Uh, well, I was making sure because in yeah. my mind it was like this: yeah. if that girl's gone, I am totally freaked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if she'd have been like in the bathroom, yeah. I would have, I would have had. So your dream was twelve. Your dream not. was twelve minutes long. Hey, did you say it was know. four horses? Yeah, four black. Are you sure one wasn't red, one wasn't black, one no, wasn't No, no, no. I, I saw... Because <laughs> there's a yeah, four horses of the apocalypse. I know. There, there are. <laughs> yeah. I know that, and I know the colors. Right. And so the four black came through that cloud first, and that's what caught my attention. That's interesting. And then I'm like, okay, and then there's other horses. That's that's really confusing but it, but it to gave me. You, but it gave you peace. You said you yeah, were happy. I was, I was joyful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was joyful. Yeah. And you woke up and you said, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. What is the black I've had, horse? I've had dreams that I woke up and said, God help me. You know, how awful. 
You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've gone up and, and repented for some yeah. of my dreams immediately Famine. because that's not who I am now. Right. Famine. So maybe, I, I don't know. So the black horse of the apocalypse represents famine. Right. Well, so. more than that. Famine, there's another one with death. black horse. Death. Yeah. Well, the, well, the pale, pale horse is, is death. death. Green green horse is the... Um, is the is the sicknesses right? Well, green. I think there's red. Is there green? Red. I don't remember green one. Yeah, there's red, red. black, and white. Yeah, yeah uh, black, white, pale, a white and, horse, and carries uh, a bow. That's a figure of conquest, pestilence, or the antichrist. The second carries a sword, and and red horse as the creator of civil war, conflict, and strife. So I've said that many the times. Third where is black. I, God is gave pale. me a dream, and I asked him and in the shower. Death. I went back in the shower, and I asked God to reveal a dream to me, and he started revealing it to me in the shower. And then I've sold, said this many times, but I said, oh, why do you only talk to me in the shower? And he said, that's the only time I can get you off your devices. Mm-hmm. That was right then is whenever he revealed a portion of a dream to me. And I got so excited. I was like, oh, my gosh. Thing. And I was like, by the way, why do you only talk to me in the shower? Like, That's the only time I can get you off your devices. And I was like, well, that's so true. Well, something's coming, Larry, and, and you're down with it. And you got to high five one of them. So, and it's from God. Yeah, Hurry up well, and pray I about it so we can know. I was concerned that it was the pale one. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> I mean, I know the pale one stood for death. And I'm like, Larry, wait a minute. But war, he did. You warrior know, no, of the apocalypse. I mean, if you if you looked at at, at um, and I hate to say this, but like the Norse type garment with the fur, uh-huh. and then the the bushy kind of almost a, a not a surf hair cut, but I mean, I hate to say, I mean, I don't want to get slapped. Kind of like Pastor Joseph's hair on Sunday. Oh. Okay, only it was lighter color. Hopefully, so, he's already okay. tuned off at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but. He wasn't like you would expect death. I guess that's why I felt no animosity toward him. But, I mean, he didn't look like me when I'm concentrating and you were like, I feel like you're coming across the table at me. It was more like, you know, hey, dude, hey, dude. we're all you know, oh, that's cool, and everything. And I'm <laughs> that's like, cool. This is weird. Yeah. That's cool, man. I, I really want you to go pray about this so we can know what me it means. Me too. I'm going to pray. Yeah. That- the interpretation comes. You got to pray. Nobody else is going to do it for you. You got to pray. Well, I'm pretty patient. I'll just wait on the Lord to show it to me. There you no. go. That's I'll pray about it. it, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm patient when it comes to the Lord. There you I've go. learned. That's what I said, I know. I have learned so much through what Darcy and I have gone through that I don't panic in these kind of issues or any of them. I, I might get a little frustrated here and there. But most of the time, I am extremely patient. Come here. Waiting Come here. on the Lord. Say something encouraging for the female audience. Say, um, oh, no. what's your favorite Bible verse? Shit. Um, Psalms 119105. What is that? Um, you put me on the spot. Your word is a lamp for my feet or a light and a light to my path. There you go. Good job. Good. Okay, Larry, say your thing. <laughs> Jesus loves you, and so do I. Thanks, Pastor Gary, for coming on. Appreciate Very it. Very much. Nice I shot. really appreciate Thank it. Thank you for watching and listening. We are out. Thank you for watching or listening all the way to the end. To be a guest on the show or to get a hold of us, please contact us at info at helpmyunbelief.org. And more importantly, make sure to check out new episodes every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Central.